46 years, you know, I was just was driving over here today and thought, you know, you know, I don't go on Facebook very much at all. But I thought, you know, I need to probably go post something about putting the fact that it is our anniversary on there. And 46 years is a long time. You go through a lot of ups and downs over 46 years. Yeah. And uh, God's brought us through so much. And really, it's a, it's a testament to the glory of God um, and his word. How faithful And even is. the legacy in our family. You know, we showed that picture last week of our family together. And um, I'm just so grateful. And I do say that it was the word of God that changed our life. Amen. You know, totally. putting him first. This is what, what Amanda was saying. It was like, you know, and the funny, the crazy thing was when we got married, and that was, you know, the, what we looked like. And we said our own vows to one another. We wrote them out. And uh, I remember writing of my vow and saying, and I didn't even really know. I know at the time what this meant. Right. Because we did it wrong. I mean, we, we lived together before marriage. It was like we did it wrong. We didn't even, but it was like I wanted God. We, were, we went to church. Yep. We, were, we were mixed up. 22-year-olds. <laughs> But it was like in my marriage vow, I remember writing, you know, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of our marriage. That's right. You know, we just, we just make you Lord of our marriage and we, we want to follow you. I didn't know what that meant. I thought I was going to be destined to be a nurse. I, was, I had just graduated nursing school as an RN and, you know, we were going to just sort of go out and do, figure life out. And it's just amazing what God will take with some simple prayers like That's that right. and go, you don't know what you're, you're <laughs> you just gave me permission is really what he was saying. And I would just encourage you to do that, even in your own, well, sometimes we just feel ignorant, we feel like we don't know, but if you put, make him Lord, like you sincerely right. say, I don't even know what this means, but I know making you Lord over our marriage and over our life will change will things. change things, will honor you as the God of the, just like we sang, you're, you're God of the universe, you're God of all creation. And if you created me, you know what's best for me. And so, you know, when we have our mission statement, know God, find purpose. Truly, our purpose is found in knowing him, knowing that he loves you, knowing that he's had a plan for you from the foundation of yes. the world. It isn't about knowing that now I'm going to figure out my purpose. Because you have to ask God, why did you put me here? Where do you want me to live? Where do you, who do you want me to marry? All these things are just, God will show you these things. That's right. And as we make, you know, we'll stumble. And like I said, even when I stumble in the darkness, you know, you will, you'll shine a light for me if I just say, God, forgive me, help me, yes. put me on the right track again. He'll do it over and over and over again because he's a merciful and he's a good God. Sometimes you'll and, tell him, you, you know, with, with, you know, Everybody has their life going on, and then you can look up to God and say, well, you know what you're getting into when you called yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. He I, knew that I wasn't yeah, going to be perfect. Right. He knew it. Still love yeah. me. Still love yeah. me. Glory yes, to God. Yeah. So we've been sharing our adventures of purpose from that moment <laughs> on. And they and have been adventures. Adventures, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into this, but I've had... I wrote something on our daily reading, Bible reading, because it just, Amanda made a comment about the, the, the mantra these days of following your heart. Just follow your heart, mm -hmm. and that's what's most important. And I thought, well, unless, yeah, unless it, but unless it's rooted and grounded in truth, you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. Yes. And I thought, you know, I grew up 
Catholic, and I, I remember as a young child, like, I did believe in Jesus. I'm, he was real to me. And I wanted to follow him. I mean, I look back and I think, no, I did know him. I prayed and I really believed he was real. I believed that he loved me. And I didn't want to disobey him. So there was this fear of the Lord, which was working a good thing. Amen. It was healthy. It was good. Yeah. It wasn't like I feared him. I wanted to please him. But, you know, that faded without the proper teaching. In the Catholic Church, you know, the routine of catechism, I mean, if that fell off the rails. It was like by the time you were a teenager, this was Woodstock. You know, this was the Vietnam War. This was rebellion. This was sex, women's lib. sex and women's lib. Yeah, so it was like, by the time I went to school, I went to Eastern Michigan University, met Steve. I, and I don't know whether I maybe thought it was trendy, but I think, I, but I meant it, really. I did. It was like, I don't even know if God's real. I, and when I think back on that, I think, you can drift and drift. And he looked at me. <laughs> You know, and in just this genuine way, he's like, of course you do. Of course you know God's real. <laughs> you know, and I, I think it took me by surprise. I mean, we had just kind of met and we're getting to know each other. And it was like, well, he seems pretty sure of that. He but is sure it was that. really the beginning in our relationship of like bringing me back to my senses of what's important in life. And I mean, by the time, I mean, we, like I said, we still didn't do it right. No. And but that's God, a scary thought, isn't it? That I'm bringing her back to her senses. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. It's a miracle. It's a true miracle. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. He said it happened one time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. on the board, though. <laughs> but, you know, that I think the back 46 years, you know, and yeah. I think... These are the little, these are little, they might seem little, but man, it was as though God like did some, spoke something to my heart, like take heed mm -hmm. and it's true. Don't, and, but you can drift. You need people. We need people in our lives to speak truth into yep. our lives and speak reality, you know, truth in love to us. Because if he hadn't done that, you know, I don't know, I don't know where I'd be. And so I look back and think 46 years, I think of our family, the lovers of God, a son who, and their ch children love God, Amanda. Yeah. So proud of you guys, a daughter and son-in-law, you know. He's it, a pastor it, down yeah, in Virginia Beach. Teaching their kids to love yeah. and know God. I give, I give him all the glory. And so I just encourage your heart. It's not easy, but you will have every, you'll have every opportunity to go. <laughs> Jesus, if we made you Lord, you must have something to say about this, and you'll help us. Yes. You will help us if we will desire to follow you. Yes. And um, He'll get it across to you. He'll get it across if to you're, you. If you're honestly yeah. seeking, he, he will reveal himself yeah. in, in a great way. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're finishing up First John today. Hallelujah. <laughs> if we didn't quit talking, we may not finish, but yeah. <laughs> And really, I mean, I know it's taken us a while, but like we said last week, it isn't really just about finishing when you read the Bible. I finished that book. I read through the Bible. It's like, did you get anything out of it? Yes. Yeah. So we want to take it slow enough and, and actually unpack the things in the Word of God so that we... We could have gone a lot longer. <laughs> and we know that. I yeah. mean, there's so much in here. You know as well as I do, when you read First John... Next time you read First John, you'll get something more. Then yeah. the next time you read First John, you still get something more. And that's really our de 
prayer is that word. when you do read First John again, you'll be like, oh, yeah, this, I remember the Holy Spirit will remind you of things that you've already heard. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, it's been our prayer that you're, by going through a book of the Bible like this, just five chapters, that your confidence, you know, in God and his love for you. Yeah. And his desire for fellowship with you, because that's what it says in First John, that we have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes. These are wonderful, magnificent truths, really. And we pray that it, it has grown in your desire, or yeah. has grown a desire for you to fellowship with other people in the body of Christ. So look at other people and go, you're a child of God. Yeah. Like, so, so we are each special yes. to God. And, to, and we should be to one another. And there are just so many good things in the, this, this uh, book about knowing that you have eternal life. We can know now that we have eternal life. That's right. We're welcomed into the fellowship with the Father. You can walk in the light with him. And First John says, like, if we sin and we know we won't do this thing perfectly, but That's we right. have the promise that if we go to him and confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. So we don't have to live with this weight of guilt over our lives. That's a glorious thing. <laughs> Amen. And so this book in five chapters, you know, it, it has so much to say and reveal to us about what it looks like to have a genuine walk with God. This is really important. What does it look like to have a genuine walk with God? And there are truths in it that every believer needs to know yes. and needs to hear. Because we live in a day when you could say, well, I'm a Christian, but it could mean about 25 different things, right? And you could say, you could say I'm a Christian and then discover, wait, you believe what? Or, you know, the lifestyle is like, I thought you said you were a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so as the body of Christ, you know, we really do need to continue to unify around the things that we really believe. That's right. Because it says in Ephesians, God's building a holy temple unto him. And I'm sure it's a temple filled with truth. Amen. But the main reason that we don't unify and that we have so many different ways that people say and, and walk out being a Christian uh, is that so few people are reading the word. Come on. They're just not reading the word. And it's how hard it is to unify around something when people are like, they're not aware of the truth. Like, how do you right. unify around different opinions? It's like, well, we're supposed to be unifying around this. Right? This is the anchor. And statistically, over 50%, you know, people who say they're Christian, this is hard to believe, but yeah. these recent statistics will say they believe in there are alternative ways to find eternal life. Like, what? Like, how? It says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they, or they don't believe, over 50% don't believe in the reality of the devil. As 56%. A real spiritual being, yeah, it's yeah. over 50-some percent. Yeah. Well, this is the whole point of the Bible, that the fall of man came because of Satan and sin. If we don't believe in him, I'm not sure how we can unify then. Uh, and then really what happens, I think, is a person just begins to assume, and you actually just begin to make up. Yes. What you feel is right. Haven't yeah. you? Uh, it's this 
I'm following my heart. I, I, you know, we can be sincerely following our heart and sincerely believe something, but you can still be sincerely wrong. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know? <laughs> and so, I mean, we welcome people to come to church who don't know the Bible. It's not like, yeah, for well, sure. you can't come to church until you come in and how much Bible do you know? It's not about that. I mean, you're supposed to come and learn the Bible, Right. If you come to a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church, which we believe this is like And that. we want you to check up in the Word what we're saying. Yeah. We want you to know personally. We want you to be a student of the Word. We want you right. to be a disciple of the Word. We'll encourage yeah. If you come here very long, you're going to know that we're going to be pushing you to read the Word. And so we encourage you, get a, get a good Bible. You know, electronics are good, but it's also good to have, unless you... You know, the Holy Spirit will speak to you as you yep. read. You want to write a few notes around somewhere or remember what the Holy Spirit is showing you. But you, we, every believer needs a usable Bible that you're not afraid to write in. That's right. Or make a note on. Come on. And it's so important that, of course, you have a teachable heart. That's probably the primary thing. You could have yes. a Bible, but if you don't have a teachable heart, you're not going to go very far. You're going to stay in your own little thoughts. And scripture tells us God's thoughts and ways are higher Come than on ours. now. That's so we have to right. be willing to like, put down my own thinking and adapt my thinking and my mind to what he's saying. Yes. And so as followers of Christ, um, we're called to follow truth, aren't we? Amen. And the truth is found in the word of God. And truth has a name. Jesus, yeah. he's the way, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And so we need to, we need, we're coming together to learn how to follow him. Yes, hallelujah. Not just gather together and share opinions. We're gathering together to learn how to follow him. And First John helps us to see accurately what it means to be a Christian. This yeah. is just really important. It, it, so first, first John you know, is yeah, calling us to deeper fellowship with Christ. In uh, chapter 1, verse 6, yeah, I think we have this it, it yeah. says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so your opinion, I, I'm following my heart doing this, but you're blatantly outside the word of God. And following that and pushing toward that, well, it, I'm sorry, you're walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness, and you lie and don't practice the truth. We want to practice the truth here, amen? amen. And one of the ways that we've, we can genuinely show that we practice the truth is by our love walk, amen? You know, not love, not just to God, but loving one another, fulfilling needs in another's life. Especially believers, you know, this is important for us. John says, you can, you need to express this love. The word love is an action word. We can't just say, I love you, and then leave somebody in the cold. You know, you, you're, you need to be aware because you experience the love of God when you serve somebody else. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, a, it's a wild thing. Yeah. It, and it goes back to chapter 3, there we are, 18. It's, Dear children, I love that. Dear children, yeah. God the Father, the Ancient of Days, is calling us his children. Not just children, dear children. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let's show it the truth by our actions. Yeah. 
we've said this before, in, in this little five-chapter book, love loves loved. Loving is mentioned 51 times. 51 times. It depends on your translation because there could actually be more if you look at those. And, and somebody, math guy, says that's 1.8 times per <laughs> per uh, verse. Well, I don't know if that's true, but uh, John is telling us, don't, don't just think, oh, I love God. I'll tell God I love him. You know, I feel that in my heart, I love him. But he is saying you need to express that love. You need to share that love. You need to be able to help somebody else. Love in action, amen? Because if you take a look at James chapter 2, this isn't on the outline, on PowerPoint. (laughs) That was years ago. Yeah. Those outlines. (laughs) Faith without works is what? Dead. Yeah, faith without works is dead. And even in these five chapters of this book, you know, it's got some awesome truths in there. But there's also, it can bring your heart into conviction. That conviction is good. We should not run from conviction. Do you understand? Because when you spiritually apply his word to your life, then you're changing. You're growing in faith. You're understanding who God is. You're walking in his ways. And we know that God's ways is a narrow path. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's leading you. That's when we allow that conviction to come. Don't try to ignore it. Say, Lord, if I'm doing this wrong, let me know. And he will because he loves you. You know, there's awesome truths in this book to build you up, to give you courage to carry on and fight the good fight of faith. It says, verse 4, or 1 John 4, 4, this should be underlined in your Bible. Look, everybody turn to 1 John. This should be underlined in your Bible because this is good news right here. I hear those pages turning. We'll wait till you get there. I love this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That'll give you strength when you're going through some difficult times. Yeah. You know, you, you express that and say, Lord, I'm, I believe this. I want to bring this about in my life. Could you help me? He will. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. When you're confused and and having difficulties, you just need to murmur that in your own heart. Greater is he who's in me than he is in the world. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's not going to leave me here. That greater one is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit living inside of us right now. You know, it's not going to happen. It's happened. He lives within us. So we have inside information. Amen. <laughs> he helps us to be overcomers in this life. Yeah. And we have a concept of what an overcomer is. But the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring us into the reality of us overcoming. And in order to overcome something, you have to have opposition. Come on. 
<laughs> That's a good place to say amen. <laughs> Look, we're adopted in the family of God. We've been adopted. We're sons and daughters. And right now, we need to express that love to our brothers and sisters right here in this room. Love one another. Because we're going to live as a family eternally. That's going to make some people happy. It's going to make some people, oh, no. <laughs> I hope he's not next door. <laughs> so we're in training ground now, like we're learning. <laughs> we are in training ground. And, and the Holy Spirit will help us grow in that because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Yeah. That means you already have this love. Yeah. You're not trying to get it. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. You have this kind yeah. of love. We just need to yield to the Holy Spirit yeah. to have it manifest and put it in action. Yeah. You know, this is great scripture here. 1 John 5 verse 4. This could be underlined in your Bible too. Yeah. It says, whoever is born of God, that's us. We're born of God. If you're born again, you're born of God. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. There, there are so many wonderful truths in 1 John. And we just need to renew our mind to it and allow those things to be a guiding force in our life. <laughs> we have great reason to be confident. Yeah. Tremendous reason to be confident. Yeah. And the more you read the word, the stronger your faith becomes and more apt that you're going to be able to say, yep, that's me. That's me. There's a great scripture here in verse, chapter 4, verse 19. We're going to hop around there for a little bit, so it's good that you've got it open there. We love him because he first loved us. Yeah. <clears throat> and Philippians, it says, he who began a good work in you, yeah. is faithful that he will perform that yeah. good work in you yeah. and complete it. Yeah. I like that. He'll complete it in the day of Christ. And boy, you know, sometimes you have to say, well, that's going to be a miracle. I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> but if he hold fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, praise God. But, well, so we're going to come to that final three verses in chapter 5. So let's turn over to chapter 5 and start in verse 19. Pray first for us. We'll yeah, pray. let's pray. Father, today we are here and just like Mary sitting at your feet to learn of you. We want to be corrected, Lord. But we also want to advance in this love that you have for us. We want to grow in our fellowship with you. We, walk, we want to walk in the truth of greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We want to walk in this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Yes. So we're here, Lord, expecting you to speak to our hearts, reveal truth to us, Help us to grow. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Okay, let's read 1 John chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. It says, we know. That's good. I like the positivity of John, right? We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know. I like that. That the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him <laughs> who's true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Hallelujah. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So let's begin with like verse 19, where it says, we know that we're from God, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's a big statement. But, you know, in the previous chapters, John brings up the truth that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. Mm -hmm. And that spirit of Antichrist really has been at work since the fall in the garden. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave their authority and dominion yeah. that God had given them over the earth. They, when they sinned and bowed their knee really to Satan, then they gave, they didn't realize this is what would happen, but they right. gave the authority of the earth over to him. And now in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, you know, the scripture says that, that Satan is called the God of this world. Right. And it's really a world system of thought because this is how he works. Yes. He works through people's minds to get them to believe whatever it is. It's really a system based on greed and power and domination. Yes. And selfish ambition, like do what you want, sexual immorality, fear. It's all these things that that work through the world system. And you really, after thousands of years, think about it. There's been no evolution of mankind. <laughs> That's for sure. Like you're not going to evolve out of this problem of the power of sin that every human being is born into. <laughs> right? No. I mean, you have to be delivered from the power of yes. sin by I, the power of Christ. Yes. Glory to God. And Jesus has done that for us. Isn't it awesome? We have been delivered. But you and I uh, were once walking uh -huh. under the influence like of the evil one. Like we don't re really realize this is happening. Because people think, well, does that mean I'm worshiping Satan? No, not, you know, no, you're not. But look at what Ephesians 2 says. Ephesians 2 verse 1. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Which is a... Yeah. Something for all of us. Following the course of this world. I think we have this for PowerPoint up on the screen there. You were once dead. There we are. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Mm. Following the prince of the power of the air. That's now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so you and I were once following under the course of, you know, of the world system. Thinking its thoughts. And now when we've been delivered from sin, we're going in a different direction. Amen. Or we should be. <laughs> I mean, the whole world is going in the opposite direction. It's like it's going downstream in a large current. And the people of God are going upstream against the current. Right. And you can feel the resistance, can't you? Oh. Like you can really feel the resistance. Yeah, the, really the truth is what you yeah. said. The world system is a, is a system of thought. And it comes from the mind of Satan. It, it goes against the love of God. 
Yeah. It, it tries to hinder the knowledge of God. And certainly it wants to destroy anybody who is submitted to God. And when we were born again, like Pastor Mamie says, we've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. You know, in Romans it says the sin has no more power over us. Hallelujah. Sin has a power. Yeah, it does. And you might want to write this down. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 is one of my favorite scriptures. And it says there, he, Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness. And he transferred us into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Yeah. Anybody ever watch Star Trek? <laughs> Beam me up, Jesus. <laughs> Instantly, we've been translated out of the kingdom of yeah. darkness. And oh my gosh. But now what we have, we, it, and this is reality, we, have, we are living in a, this kingdom, he says. We're living in the kingdom now. It's not like we're, we're going to be. You and I are living in this kingdom right now. We're living in this kingdom by faith. Yeah. And when we start to renew our mind to think God's thoughts, because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, when we start to think God's thoughts, when we allow this to govern our lives, and it's like, well, you saw our pictures, we are in there and we find out, boy, we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this isn't, what? We're not doing that either. <laughs> wow. And then what do you do? You throw the book away because, oh my gosh. It I'm, doesn't fit in my yeah, <laughs> I'm the idol. <laughs> no, you submit. This is what it is. You submit. Your mind is being renewed by the word of God. So the next time you have in that same circumstance and the ability to choose bad or good, you choose good. Yeah. And, and, and we have power to do it. Let's amen. remember that we have the greater one in us. This is, we're not doing this in our own strength. You have to ask God, like, give me the grace that you say is poured yes. out to me to walk free of whatever it is that wants to keep me in bondage. And we so, need discernment between the two kingdoms because yeah. they're both operating right now. Yeah. They're operating right now and they're waiting for you to make a decision. You're the one who makes the choice. Yeah. yeah. And you see how important it is if we don't know the word of God? I'm just following my heart. Mm -hmm. Whatever's easiest. That's the majority of people. Yeah. We're going, like Pastor May said, we're going upstream. Yeah, yeah. And that takes effort and diligence. We're going upstream. Yeah, and we're, and we're bombarded really by, you know, with all the social media and everything. It's, Gosh. It's, it's always coming against. And now it's just more and more blatant how it's coming against. And this is the, the, the you know, I say this about people reading the Bible. Here's another statistic. 65% of Americans say they're Christian. But only 6% of them hold to the Bible as something authoritative in their life. Like, in other words, I'm going to follow this. A lot of people are saying I'm a Christian. Yep. But 6%. Of them, and I, I did the math on this. It's kind of funny, but I did the math on this. There's like 338 million people in America. 65% <laughs> of them, that's 217,000 or 17 million of them, 
would say, I'm a Christian, but when you break down that to 6%, it's like 13 million people, which is the population of New York City and Los Angeles. I looked that up too. It was like, so outside of that, wow. you got a lot of people saying, I'm a Christian, but they would say, but I don't really, like, I don't read the Bible, I don't really hold to this. So are you and, a Christian? According to 1 John, you're not. No, because you're taking on, I mean, it's either a biblical worldview, which is what we're talking about, or a secular worldview. And the secular worldview isn't like, well, I'm an atheist, I don't believe anything. The secular worldview, people will say, yeah, I believe in God, and I believe there's a God out there, and... But, you know, I, but I'm really just about, I'm following my heart. See, mm. it's back to that. Well, where's your heart t- taking you? Well, I, I, wherever it takes me, like my <laughs> happiness. <laughs> Secular values are like that. It's like, well, my heart and my happiness are my ultimate goal. I'm searching Ooh, for that in my life. And that's so good. it puts yeah. self on the throne. Can you see that? And really, it used to be that secular and biblical values, you know, the, the, you saw the Ten Commandments in courtrooms and in schools. And so even though you'd say it's a public school, it still had a biblical standard yes. to it. Long right. gone are those days. And it's fading fast. And so, you know, we hear this so much, especially like with all the, the kids caught up in the whole transgender question. Mm-hmm. And parents don't know what to do. They're like... I don't know. I just want my child to be happy. Ooh. You know, and when you, when you go that route, you pursue happiness outside of the power of God and what God is saying and, and even the desiring to know what God is saying. You really put your happiness, the pursuit of it, like an idol in your life. There. It becomes exactly. like, this is more important to me. And I just was listening to a testimony of a young girl. I mean, she's... Who trans? She was. She detransitioned, and she's now like 20. But she started this thinking when she was 13, and how her parents didn't know what to do, and her dad was like, "No, this isn't right." But the mom just kept saying, "I just want her to be happy. Just want her to be happy." And she, by her own testimony, said, "I wish she hadn't said that to me. You know, I wish that wasn't her answer yeah. to me because it didn't bring me happiness." And this was the cause of her detransitioning back. And she looked like a beautiful young girl right there and thought, so our happiness, you know, my feelings can really lead you down the wrong path. It might take a while to figure that out. Yeah. But feelings and happiness are, are we, can, we can make them into idols. Yes. And, you know, John summarizes this like in 1 John 2. We read this before, this is, weeks ago. Yeah, but if you this wanna, is great. Chapter 2, verse 15. He helps us here Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what he's telling us. He says, do not, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So this, notice I said, don't, that word indicates that you have a choice. Yeah, don't love it's, the world. It's yeah. your choice. It's your, I, I could say I love God, but I could still choose the things of the world. Mm-hmm. Because we have a free will to choose. We can choose any of it. 
And again, if, if I just put myself in, oh, my heart wants this, but the word of God says, not. There's where our choice is. There's where the decision lies. Hey, all of us, we're going to be tempted by the flesh. There's no way around it. We'll be tempted by the flesh. You know, we could go after money, material things. That could define my life as success. You know, I can run after as many likes as I can get on my Facebook page or whatever it is. I, Twitter? X? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Social media. Social media, yeah. And you know what? I can exalt scientific knowledge as truth. (laughs) That's a scary thought. And here it is, pleasure. Pursuit of pleasure. I can pursue pleasure, whether it's sex, gluttony, drugs, alcohol, or, or even come to a place where I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm all about me and making me happy. But you go on that social media and it's bombarding you. Constantly bombarding your senses, your five physical senses, your flesh. You know what? Come with us. It's easier to go downstream. even though we've been spiritually born again, we still have to contend with the desires of the flesh. That's why the Bible says for us to crucify the flesh. Crucify the flesh. We know what that means. And we also know that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That he wants to make us more than conquerors. And so we start gaining ground by denying our flesh. No, no, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. No, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to start to think God's thoughts. And I'm going to apply that to my life. That's walking in the Spirit. That's walking in the Spirit. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. We've got to remember that we have to draw upon the help from the Holy Spirit. Remember that? Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. It's a power of God in us. That's how we overcome. But God sometimes is just simply waiting for you to ask him for the help. We can't do this on our own. It's impossible for us to completely live out the Christian life because it's so against everything in the world. You know, everybody wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to be different. We'd be different by obeying the word of God. <laughs> it's becoming more and more radical to really be a follower of Christ. Yeah. It really is. Like it's we, true. We're kind of standing out more and more if you really follow these beliefs. Yeah. And, you know, going back to, to the passages that we're going over, like 1 John 5, 20, it says, we know That's good. that the Son of God, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding Thank God for that. Yes. How's he given us understanding? We go back to the word of God. Like, yes. this is what puts our head on straight. <laughs> you know, we just can't overstate it enough. We pray for this, for the church, for you all. Like, to be lovers of God's word. To put him first. To hide it away in your heart. Yes. You know, because it's going to anchor you. It's going to establish you. It'll strengthen you against, like, this current that's, that's in the world. It'll... 
keep you from deception. You'll yes. have some spiritual insight and go, oh, you know, I see through that. Mm -hmm. I'm only drawn there. I'm not going to be deceived by that. Yes. You're, you're building your house. You're building your life, Jesus says, on a rock. Yeah. So when the storms of life come and they're going to hit all of us, you can with your house, your life will withstand the storm. You'll yes. be standing in the end. Glory to God. And so when you teach, you know, we have to teach this to our children, of course. Because the children are, you have to navigate. It's going to anchor them. It's going to do the same thing, strengthen them, yes. give them wisdom, you know, to be able to move up against the current that's coming against them. It's worse I mean, than when we were kids. Consider all the things that are going on in the world. I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, I mentioned the transgender mm -hmm. thing and the drag queen. At the public library. Drag queens look demonic. Why would you take your child to this? But people are. I mean, kids' no. entertainment now. You have to just be wide open, parents, because the whole opposite alternative lifestyle is it's flooded in there. You know, you've got Peppa Pig with various ways to have a family life. And D Disney. Disney's a danger. You know, there's over-sexualization of everything. Mm -hmm. The devil wants your child's heart. Yeah. And so they need to hear godly guidance. They need to hear godly truth. They need to hear godly prayers coming from your mouth over them. Amen. In belief that you are protected. The blood of Jesus protects you from the evil one. I mean, this is not pray to scare your kid, evil one, but your child has to be able to see the devil is real. But the greater one lives in you. Like, Amen. so you don't have to have any reason to be afraid. And Put so we have to feet. talk about God openly in our homes with our children. Tell them the Holy Spirit lives in you. Like, if you're afraid at school, talk to God. Yeah. Ask him for help. We have to reinforce, like as a parent, reinforce what gets taught over in mile one. On a Sunday. Come on now. Sunday's good. Sunday's needed. But it's really not enough. Research has shown that a, the greatest influence in a child's life is really boils down to what happens in the home. Totally. So but what they, how they see mom, dad, the parent, the guardian, whatever mm -hmm. the person is doing becomes the greater influence. And yes. so a parent, you should take your place. Like God has given you grace and power to reinforce what it is. Talk to your child about the things of God. Yes. We cannot let electronics become like a free babysitter for <laughs> us because we're so busy. It's like, here, here's a, here's a little screen to look at. This is dangerous. <laughs> yes. And so parents, I would encourage you, like, ask another parent that you see in the church that raising their child to know God. Well, how do you do this? Yeah. What have you done? Like, what, what books are you reading? We have to be vulnerable and, and ask, seek, knock. Come this on is how now. we do it. And God will give us wisdom. God will give you wisdom. He wants to help you raise your child to be an overcomer in this life. Hallelujah. So it, the, go ahead. See, we've come it, to the last verse if we want to keep moving on. Yeah. All right, I'll go to the last verse. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is, verse 21. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Strange way to finish a book, huh? Isn't it an odd sentence? Strange way to finish a letter going to... Keep yourself from idols. 
And, <laughs> but really, this, is, this drills down right to the core of things. The issue of, of the life, who, what, where, when, who is it that you worship? Who is it that you worship? In the end, it, it really, honestly, if God is not first place in everything, it, the whole book, the chapters here won't make a big difference because there's no coexisting, so to speak. You've seen those bumper stickers? Coexist. It yeah. can't possibly be because it's a lie what they're presenting. And the truth will always stay the truth. And all that is is for you to compromise. So if you don't put God first, the value of the word itself really cannot take root with an idol in your heart. It's truly an idol. Anything that replaces God as number one is an idol. We'll get there. It's an idol. We don't don't have carved statues that people bow down to anymore. However, Mm -hmm. in Revelation, there's going to be a a statue that's going to come alive by the power of Antichrist. And it will be able to speak. Pastor Ben was just telling us about AI speaking this morning. So it's not far-fetched, is it? It's, it's actually could easily happen. God says, don't put any other gods before me. Amen? First, first commandment. Yeah. It's the first commandment. And we have modern-day idols in lots of them. Lots of them. Again, they're not carved things that we bow down to. We're not. An idol is something or someone that becomes more important than God. Mm -hmm. Idol. An idol is anything we put before God in our hearts. It could be a job, a person, It can be a hobby. It can be something that's good. A hobby, yeah. It could be a political party, a thing, a feeling. I think the number one idol in the world today is yourself. Timothy says, in the end time, there'll be difficult times. People will be, what's he put on there first? Lovers of self. Lovers of self. Every man, woman, and child has an inward worship center, so to speak. (laughs) It's called the heart, your spirit. And we need to be able to worship the right things. And we have to be, like John says, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. Yeah. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. Anything in your life that is more important than God. Anything that you place above God. Yeah. I mean, and even good things yes. can become idols when we make them like the <clears throat> ultimate thing in our life. We pursue that. Like people, a career. Well, career's good. But we could forsake a lot of things in pursuit 
of that career. Boy, and, you know, I hesitate to say this, but even like family and children, like your spouse or your kids can become idols. Because if you have an unbelieving spouse or like a dominating spouse, say for instance, you know, that it's like everything has to sometimes conform around that person. That, and the, the other partner maybe who's a believer can become afraid because it's like, well, I don't want to upset the card here, you know. And so in that sense, this person can become an idol. They're like ruling what You're should be done down. because sometimes we forsake God for the sake of pleasing this other person or pleasing our kids. Our kids are involved in a million sports and there's, you know, the world has no problem with planning all their sports games on a Sunday morning. Well, you can't play on the team if your kid's not here on a Sunday morning. Yep. It's like they don't really, they don't care. They're like, just conform to what we want. And I don't have an answer for it. I, I know this has got to be a very difficult thing to make that decision, but it wants to squeeze you into yeah, do it our way. It's like, who cares about church or what, what you want yeah. your child to do on a Sunday morning? Here's how Tim Keller, you know, this is really defined... Good. Idol. He, he wrote a book on idols of the heart. And he said an idol can be family and children. An idol can be a career or making money or achievement or searching after popularity. An idol can be a romantic relationship that you put above all things. A friendship, peer approval, mm. competence and skill. An idol can be something that makes you feel secure and comfortable in all your circumstances. It could be your beauty or your brains that you're searching after. A great political or social cause yeah. that you give everything to. Your morality and virtue or even success in the Christian ministry. Yep. Then he says this, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart. If I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know that I have value. Mm. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Well, there are a lot of things out there that are calling us to find your security here. Yeah. The gods of idol gods, like of just everything and the beauty, power, entertainment, like yeah. you said, social media, science, like all of it. Our phones are like pumping out <laughs> <laughs> idols to, to yeah. worship. I mean, social media has produced this obsession with self. I Isn't mean, it used true? to be we laugh at selfies, but I mean, it's gone way beyond that. It's like your identity is tied up to be you. Who are you? <laughs> right? Everything. Look at me. I mean, yeah. we've, people have abandoned or they didn't even really know who they were in Christ. But we've abandoned finding out who we are in Christ, which is the most magnificent Hallelujah. stamp of value and approval we could ever have. You are For loved sure. by God himself. That's where we find our value. But yes. people have forsaken that. You know, we've just become obsessed with finding my identity and however I feel. I mean, right. young girls today are driven into depression. They're driven into eating disorders by like an obsessive concern over their body image. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just so many ways we see this. Tattooing. I mean, people, there's not one or two tattoos. I mean, we've got now full body and it, there's, there's, there's reasons why. I mean, I'm not saying pro against tattoos. I'm just saying that I think it's, it's people trying to say, look at me, like right. I am unique and I'm expressing myself. 
And it's just we have to be careful where these motivations Yes, go. exactly. That's good. I mean, then money certainly can become In our culture, are you kidding me? Money. And it's, and it's not just rich people, it's poor people. Yeah. It's both. If you don't have it, you're trying to get it. And if you have it, you're wanting more. People give up their integrity for money. They, get, they ruin their families for money. Yeah. Because they think, well, if I make this money, then I'll have whatever personal gratification you want. You know, prestige. I'll have security. I'll be able to be more in control. Money itself is not bad. We need money. Come on. It's when your heart is attached to it so strongly that it starts to take over your world. And there is a spiritual reality behind all of these idols. There's demonic influence. And that will draw you deeper and deeper and deeper. People are afraid of losing their money. People are afraid to be generous. People are afraid to tithe and give to the church. What if I don't have any more? Money easily becomes our base for security. It's my blanket for life. That's the position God should have. Amen? Success in life. God is our refuge. He is our source of life. Too many people bow down in fear and worship money. Too many. You know, these are things that we've got to check our heart. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Little children, keep yourself from idols. People will work long, crazy hours. Ruin their health. Yeah, the cost of relationships, yeah, and even your health. Yeah. All of it is making it into an idol in your life. And Jesus said you cannot serve God and wealth. Come on. I mean, he tells us if you go back and read the Sermon on the Mount, he says you can't serve God and and wealth. You're going to bow down to either one or the other. And in the Sermon on the Mount, like he knew mm-hmm. and addressed people's anxiety and worry about life, worry about money, worry about their life in general. This is a universal issue, isn't it? Yeah. There's not one person that doesn't worry about their life at some point or find themselves doing it. But he actually tells us, you know, he makes a startling statement in the Sermon on the Mount. Take no thought for your life. Like, quit worrying about your life. It's a, it's a major statement. Yes. Because we all deal with it. And worry in itself, the way we deal with stress and anxiety, can become an idol. It's like we're bowing down. Oh, oh no. Yeah. What if? I'm afraid. This might happen. We play out all the negative worry scenarios. And really, we're making this fear this yes like a god in front of us that we're bowing down to rather than trusting learning to trust in god which is what the lord tells us to do yes and this is all a progressive thing yeah but we have to allow god into our heart to search our heart and go help me with this i mean we need to have a sense of security in our life for sure we're wired this way like we need to have this sense of you know, stability in our life. But it's not supposed to come through money. Like that, I'll do anything to have money, to have that stability. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to find our rest and our refuge and our source of life through Christ. 
alone. I mean, this is a great quote. Augustine said this, St. Augustine writes this uh, in his confessions. You know, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Mm. You've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So Jesus tells us, like, stop being worried about your life. He says, like, look at the birds. Yeah. Look at the flowers. There we go. Look at the beauty and freedom that they live in. Like, the birds aren't all anxious. Is there going to be a worm in the ground? And the beauty of these flowers, you know, God created them. He gave them that freedom and that beauty of a flower. They're not comparing themselves. <laughs> you know, how beautiful is your petal compared to mine? No. And he says, aren't you worth much more than they? Come on Think now. about it. You're a child of God. And he just puts it simply then. He says, you know, here's how you do it. He, goes, he says, because your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. He, God knows that we're going to have this tendency towards worry. But then he says, seek first his kingdom, Matthew 6, Yes. Seek first his kingdom. It's just what Amanda was saying earlier when she was hosting. Mm -hmm. Putting God first. Seek first his kingdom. Put him first. And his, and his righteousness, like his way of living and doing. Honor him with your life, and he'll be sure that all these other things will be given to you as well. What a great promise. Yes. It's a, it's a, this is how we break the power of idols in our life. We make a decision, and we're going to take communion here. We break the power break of the, the power, God of yeah, mammon. God of mammon, because through the blood of Jesus, you know, yes. we, the power of sin has been broken over our life. We can do this. Our idols can be smashed. But we have to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to seek you first. Mm -hmm. Whatever that means, I don't know what it means, but I trust because you're a good God. Amen. It's going to be good. And then all these other things that I tend to worry about will be added to me. Isn't that a great promise? I like this yeah, uh, so let's, quote let's, here. Worries like oh. a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a believer, the communion is for you. Commun the communion table is a, a remembrance time of what Jesus has done for us with his body crucified, his blood shed on the cross. And so we it's also a remembrance that he's returning. Yes. Praise God. And so we're gonna ask you to just come up and grab, yeah, we'll put one on each side. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Do you want the worship team to Yeah, worship team come up and play? I'm gonna give you communion first. All right. You come on up and We'll take that communion and, you know, scripture tells us in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians that as we partake of communion, we're to, to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. We, we need to examine ourselves. This is a good message to examine yourself on. Is there something that I'm putting ahead of you, Lord? I want to break the power of that. I want to I walk in your ways. It's really important for us to do that. He says something else. He says it, it's to discern the Lord's body. 
So we're examining ourselves to discern the Lord's body. And you say, well, what's the Lord's body? I mean, he's in heaven. No, the Lord's body is right here. Everybody's sitting in this room. All Christians have become the temple of the Lord. And so we've got to come out and look at ourselves and say, are we, are we serving one another? Are, are we really here to really be the church or I'm just getting what I need and going? We need to serve one another. It's important. Do you pray for one another? Do you pray for the people of the church? That's a powerful thing to do. Take the time and pray for the people of the church. You might not know everybody's name, but you know the people of Community Life Church. And if you don't know anybody's name, well, that's on you. We hang out after service. <laughs> Are you praying for the church? Are you supporting the church? Are you volunteering somewhere? Are you consistent in your volunteering? You know, this is what he's asking us to do. Let's, let's do what the word says. Let's, let's examine ourselves. He says, when you examine yourself and you judge yourself, then you won't be judged. I like that. So it's important for us to do that. So guys, take that bread. That's the body of Christ broken for you, broken for us. We remember, Jesus, that you shed your blood. You said that this blood is the new covenant and it's for the forgiveness of sins. So we partake of the blood, Lord. And we release the guilt because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Everybody forward. Yeah, if you want to come up the center and then go back the sides.